We're going to spend a few moments digging into one part of the Christmas story. It's always interesting to, to figure out, okay, what do you talk about on Christmas? Which part of the story do you, do you come up with? What's new? How can you make the camels talk and the sheep talk? And, you know, how can we bring something new? And today I actually don't want to bring anything new to the story. And, and we shouldn't. But I want to continue with the theme of where we've been this last sermon series. And last week, we've been talking about God's fingerprint, God's plan as He brings salvation to a world, as He brings the offer of redemption to every one of our hearts. Last week, we talked about how God Almighty showed up. He showed up to provide a, a rescue operation of, against Satan's attempt to enslave the world. But the thing about God's plans, and if we know that God is working and His plan is working, is there's another side to that, isn't there? Because God's plans often come into conflict with our plans. And if God is working His plans and we're letting Him work, what do we do? How do we respond when we have ideas and we have plans and and we have our life laid out from beginning to end and know what should happen? And God comes along and says, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. My phone and I had a little conflict this week, dealing with plans and, and sovereignty. And I like to think I'm sovereign over my phone. But um, I have a new phone with GPS that talks to you. And, and it and I had some words this week, because I was coming to, to church and set the, the phone to get me to church. Now, I do know how to get to church, but I was having some fun. And, and I set the phone to get to church, and just for fun, I, I disobeyed its instructions every time. So it was like, turn right on West Street. I'm like, no. <laughs> so I went straight. I had some errands to run. And then it's like, turn right on Buaro Street. And, and I, I think it was getting frustrated with me. Its tone got a little sharper. Turn right on Harbor. And, and, and so finally, and then I ran some errands and went to, to lunch at Taco Bell, and I'm pulling out of Taco Bell, and finally the last straw was, it said, as soon as possible, make a U-turn. Then make another U-turn. And I'm like, wait a minute. It's messing with me now. My phone is messing with me because that's running me in circles, and I think it thought I was running it in circles, so it's like, fine, I've had enough of you, just sit there making U-turns. And we laugh about it because I get to decide where I drive, and I didn't sit there making U-turns. But it was a collision of plans. And in life, in, in much more serious settings, we often have collisions of plans. We have ideas of how life should be, and how many times does life change? How many times have life changed? How many in this room, in this last year, the last 12 months, have had some major things change in their life that they weren't expecting? Anyone? Anyone at all? No, there's hands all over the room. And that's just in one year, in one congregation, over half of us have experienced significant collision of plans. Maybe it's circumstances that have changed. Maybe it's a major illness in our family that we weren't expecting and now we have to deal with. Maybe it's a loss. Maybe it's a job situation or a financial difficulty. Maybe it's unexpected children. Or maybe it's an ability to have children. And all of those things are collisions of plans that we don't plan for. And God steps in and God shows up and says, I have a plan. I have a plan and I'm working my plan. Do you trust me? As we come to the Christmas story, 
Joseph and Mary had a major collision of plans. They had a major collision of plans between what they thought their life would be like and what God, stepping onto the scene and executing His plan, wanted to do for all mankind for all eternity. And they had some choices to make. And I think we can learn from their choices of how we respond to God's plans. From the very start of the story, we see the the tension. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And we see the encounter between the angel Gabriel and Mary, who she is, she is, has her life planned out. She's going to marry this man named Joseph. Joseph is a carpenter, a stable man. We know he's a righteous man. And they have, she's betrothed to him, and they're going to be married. They're going to have lots of kids. They're going to live in their community, and things are going to be right. Things are going to go as planned. And God shows up and says, actually, I have a different plan. I have a different plan. And in Luke one twenty six, if you don't have a Bible under one of the seats around you, it should be a Bible that you're welcome to, to use. If you don't own a Bible, please take that as our gift to you, as a chance for you to have God's Word. But Luke one twenty six. In the sixth month, when the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So we get the characters. We have Joseph, we have Mary, we have the angel coming. We know that they've been pure. We know that they are upright. And the angel in verse 28 came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now, now if... If an angel shows up to me and says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you, what are you, what are you thinking at that point? Wow. Okay. This is, this is different. Something is changing here. And the angel shows up, and in verse 29 we see her response, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. It's not every day an angel shows up. And then he says, You are favored. You see some humility here, but you also see a little bit of fear and, and, and wonderment. Some pu- she's puzzled. Okay, this doesn't just happen every day. And when God intervenes in this sort of way, that means something's going to change. And we don't like change, do we? And something major was going to change in her life. And the angel said to her in verse 30, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. We read this part in the the Christmas story. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now just picture, you're just going along in life and all of a sudden an angel shows up and and you're favored and you're worried and they say, don't be afraid. And and then he says, by the way, you're going to bear the King of Israel. You're going to bear the Messiah. And she's thinking, I'm not even married. I, I don't understand how this will happen. But that kind of news to digest it in a few minutes, wow, Wow! It's so much to take in. 
And Mary in verse 34 asks a very legitimate question. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? I'm not married. I, I can't have kids. We're doing this the right way. The godly way. 35. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will conceive that way. Angel follows it up with a story about Elizabeth. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And in this moment, Mary's plans and God's plans collide. And they collide in, in, a, in a troubling way for Mary because this is not an easy bit of news to hear. It's great that he's king and that he'll reign over the house of Jacob. But for them to, to, to think about how this is going to happen, I'm not married. I'm going to be pregnant. Everyone knows I'm engaged and everyone's going to jump to assumptions and, and they're going to jump to conclusions. And for them, culturally, this was, this, she would be a pariah. She would be shunned. Her reputation and Joseph's reputation would be destroyed. And so it wasn't just a change of plans. This was a change of life. And this was saying, I have to go out in, in great sacrifice to do this for you. The angel says, well, your, well, your relative Elizabeth is also pregnant. And I can just picture Mary thinking, and we don't know, but I can picture her thinking, yeah, but she's married. People will look at her and say, oh, what a miracle. People will look at me and say, ooh. Do you see the, the collision of plans? And Mary had a choice. Do I hold on to my own plans? Do I hold on to my own reputation? Or do I allow God to work? And we'll look at the answer to that. Joseph also had the same struggle a little bit later. Matthew 1, 18 and 19. If you want to turn there, back two books. Matthew 1, verses 18 and 19. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. And again, Matthew's story starts with a collision of plans. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. See, Mary here, is re as she's thinking through everything that's going to happen to her, one of the thoughts she has to think about is, what will Joseph think? You talk about sacrifice. This is my dream guy. This is my future. But Joseph's going to find out I'm pregnant, and he knows we're not married. And so God steps into Joseph's life. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And I can only imagine what Joseph is thinking as he had his own plans and he had planned to, to bring Mary into his household and to support her and to raise children with her. And this was his future and his life. And she turns up pregnant. He's not the father. So he has some choices to make because God's plans have now collided with his plans. Verse 19, And her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And you see a little bit of Joseph's character here as he could have brought her up on charges and made a big spectacle of it and destroyed her. 
and he had the right to destroy her. But rather, he decided, you know what? My plans have changed. I'm okay with that. My plans have changed. I'll just divorce her quietly. We won't make a big scene of this. That's between her and God. And so he shifts his plans, but God's going to shift them yet again. We're going to see that in the verses to come. See, God's plans often collide with our plans. They did for Joseph. They did for Mary. He says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So this morning, how did they respond? We want to look at how Joseph and Mary responded to God's plan, to God's ways. Hopefully you kept your finger in the Luke passage. We'll be going back and forth between Matthew and Luke here. And in the Luke passage, if you flip back over there, the first response that we see from both Mary and Joseph is that they embraced God's plan. They willingly accepted God's plans and held their own plans with an open hand. So they were willing to, to hold their plans like this and let God do with them what He will, and they were willing to embrace God's plans. In Luke 1, verse 38, we see Mary's response. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. The word for servant there is the same word that we see the Apostle Paul use and some of the other authors use when they say, I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm a bondservant of the Lord. I'm a slave of the Lord. And so Mary's response isn't like, No way, that's my reputation. That's my future. How could you do this to me? It was you know what? I'm your servant. I'm your servant. And the verse goes on to say, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. There's a humble acceptance of it. She hears the plan. She doesn't understand it fully. And her response is, okay, I'm all in. I'm yours, God. Do with me what you will. I'm amazed at that. I'm amazed at how many times in our lives God changes our plans and circumstances come in and we fight it and we fight it and we buck against it. And Mary's response was, okay, I'm your servant. As a servant, I have no right to complain about anything. I'm just here to do the Master's bidding. And so their response was first to embrace, not to fight, but to say, okay. You know, as parents... That's the response we often want from our kids, right? When we tell them to do something, okay, daddy, okay, mommy. And we're trying to train that in them. That was her response to God Almighty. Okay, dad. Okay, God. Even if she didn't understand. Even at personal sacrifice. In fact, the depth of the sacrifice Mary and Joseph had to make to their reputation, to their future of having to raise this child, and, and, and we see all that happens to them, the depth of that sacrifice makes the acceptance all the more significant. Mary could lose Joseph. She could lose her future. She could be tied to this child the rest of her life. But her answer was, okay, Dad. Okay. Flip back to the Matthew passage. Again, keep your finger in both. And we see Joseph's response. See, Joseph twice had to give up his plans to get married and then to divorce, and now he's giving them up again. 
He had found this pure, faithful, sweet young woman. And he's going to take the honorable route, not shame her. And in Matthew 1.20, the angel appears to him and God steps in and says, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That is the message. That's the point. That's God's plan. And he reveals a taste of it to Joseph. See, Joseph didn't have all the information when he's making his plans. He didn't know what God was doing, and so God shares with him a little bit. He says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. My favorite word in the Christmas story. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. We talked about that last week, that God Almighty showed up. God Almighty was with us. And that's the information Joseph didn't have. And so in verse 24, we see his response to the collision of his plans and God's plans. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, and he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. How did Joseph respond? Okay, let's do this. He woke up and he did it. It wasn't thinking about it. It wasn't like, well, I don't know. What about my reputation? God, if I marry her, what are people going to think about me? I'm not the dad. Do you really want me to put my reputation on it? He didn't go there. He said, God's plan is to save the, save the world from their sin. Okay, God. And he embraced God's plan. See, embracing God's plan, and, and in our own lives when plans change and God is doing something, embracing that plan is more than just a stoic acceptance of it. Okay. This is what God wants. I guess I'm going to just have a stiff upper lip and I'm going to make it happen. And No, embracing it means I'm going to obey and I'm going to obey with all my heart because I am His servant and He is God and He knows what He's doing. So how do we feel when plans change? How do we feel when our, our, our ideas of how things should be suddenly get rocked and circumstances change? Maybe it's God leading us somewhere else. Maybe it's, it's some tragedy. Maybe it's things we don't understand. And the first question, if we're going to embrace, that we should ask, if we're going to embrace God's plan, isn't why, it's how can I serve God through this? How can I serve God through this? Okay, this happened. Things have shifted. Okay, God, how can I serve you now? And isn't that a completely different attitude from, uh, can't believe God did this to me, but He has a plan. I guess I'm going to go with it. To, okay, God, You are perfect. You are divine. You are omniscient. You have a plan. Let's go with it. What do you want me to do? Whole different attitude. And as we look at God's plan, that's what we should be. Embrace it. Embrace it. Don't get caught up in how things are supposed to be that we forget to follow how God intends it to be. Huge difference. We hold our plans with an open hand. We write our plans with pencil. God's plans are written in pen. 
and we, we, we follow them with gusto. So the first word to remember in their response is embrace. Embrace. The second response, turn back to Luke chapter 1. The second word to remember is worship. Just have four words to remember this morning. Embrace and worship is the second one. As we continue reading through Mary's answer, she's still with her, her cousin Elizabeth. And they're visiting there. And in verse 46, we see Mary's response. Now notice, this is probably before she gets back to Joseph. This is probably before she knows whether or not she still has a fiancé. How God's going to work. And, and her, her answer in verse 46 is amazing. She says, and Mary said, my soul, what does it say? Magnifies. My soul magnifies the Lord. I'm like, how can you say that right now? Your life is falling apart. Your plans have changed. And she said, no, these are God's plans. And I choose to worship Him. Do you guys know what magnify is? Magnify is, is not so much a magnifying glass of making something bigger, but in this context, it's to give someone higher esteem in the light of others. It's to make someone better known in the light of others. If I come up here and I'm telling you all about Eric, telling you about the, the work he's done on the piano and everything he's done, and I, I'm magnifying him. I, I'm boosting your image of him. And that's that word there. Mary is magnifying God, boosting God's image in the eyes of others, holding Him in great esteem. My soul magnifies the Lord. She didn't know what God was doing, how it was all going to work out. She just knew God said to do this, and she was going to obey. She goes on, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. I'm I'm glad, I'm so glad I can't contain it. Because God is my Savior. And she goes on to start talking about why she can worship Him. In verse 48, For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name. Done great things for me? It's because she's focusing on a different picture. If she's just focusing on her own life and her own reputation, she couldn't say this. But the rest of the the passage goes on to say what she's focusing on. And catch who her focus is on. In verse 50, And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. See God's mercy. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. She praises Him for His omnipotence. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. She praises Him for His justice. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring forever. She praises Him for His faithfulness. He's the eternality. And she, she... the, the reason she's able to worship is she focuses on the bigger picture of what God is doing. The bigger picture of how God is redeeming her nation and ultimately mankind to Himself. And once we focus on the bigger picture, our own picture gets so tiny. And if we're going to deal with the collision of our plans and God's plans, we have to start realizing God's plans are this and my plans are this. And what can help our attitudes is when we start focusing on this. 
and saying, God is almighty. He is good. He is faithful. See, God doesn't do things on accident. God will never waste something you go through. He wants to use it for His glory and His plan. And that changes our perspective when our plans change. If we're to put this into practice, how do we worship when our plans and God's plans collide? A great place to start is by intentionally thanking God whenever our plans change. And I know that's tough. I know we don't like change. But when things come into our life that we're like, I don't even know how to deal with this, to start by saying, thank you, Lord. Now, you might think I'm, I'm just bizarre to say that. But thank you for not giving me my dreams. Thank you for not giving me everything I want. Because in this case, I know you want something better. And so we worship when we ask ourselves the question, how can God use this? How can I worship Him through this? I have seen people in hospitals and visited many people in hospitals. And I'm always encouraged by certain visits. There are times I go to visit someone and I I walk away thinking they were ministering to me. I wasn't ministering to them. I I thought I was the pastor here. I thought I went to pray with them and encourage them. And they're, they're praising God and saying, hey, I got to talk to this nurse and I got to talk to this doctor. You should see how God is using this. You know what that is? It's worship when our plans change. And some of you in this room have been in that hospital bed when I've come and have been doing that. And I, I commend you for that. Because it's looking at things with a bigger picture and saying, everything that happens to me, God can use. So let's do this. Let's worship. Because God's plan is always bigger than our plan. I've experienced that so many times in our lives. Where things felt like they were falling apart and our plans all changed. And God was orchestrating things to His perfect plan. And it makes me worship. And remember the big picture that God Almighty is the one whose plans I want to follow. I think of my children. And how my family came about because God took away some of our plans and our dreams that gave us the kids we have. I think about even going into the ministry And that was completely not my plan. And and on my timing, I had a a whole different route marked out for my life. And and God, through some painful experiences, took some things away, but was doing something far greater. And I challenge you that in your lives, when your plans change, God is doing the same thing. He is at work and never stops working. In this case, He was bringing His Son into the world to redeem the world. So two words so far. Embrace and worship. Third word to remember when our plans collide is persevere. Persevere. See, Joseph and Mary continued to obey. This wasn't a one-time thing. Sometimes we think, okay, I can can have a good attitude for, for one event. 
I'm going to push through this. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to embrace his, embrace his plan and worship Him. But don't let it go on too long. I need to see some change here and some results. Think about what Joseph and Mary went through. Think about the consistency that they showed. So all this happens and the initial stuff happens and they come together and they get married and then they get this decree from Caesar Augustus when Mary is very pregnant. Said, you know what? We, you, you have to go back to your hometown. You need to travel 100 miles, which I, I guess when you're very pregnant isn't the, the very best thing that you want to do. Right, ladies? And their plans changed again. And so they went. And, and in Luke 2, the, the decree came out and they went to, to Bethlehem. They get to Bethlehem down in verse 5 to be registered with, his, with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And so now she's, she's having her child in a strange place. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. What? A feeding trough for animals because there was no place for them in the inn. There's been all kinds of discussion of what the inn is and, and how this works out. And it, it quite possibly wasn't a hotel. It wasn't the Ritz-Carlton that they were rejected from. But quite possibly it was a family member. Because inn can mean guest room. And so it's either probably a traveling accommodation that was set up for all the people coming through. Or they had family there. This was their hometown. And that family turned them away. Which would completely fit the story and would completely fit the kinds of sacrifice that they had to make by being pregnant without being married. And the sacrifices go on and on and on. We read in Matthew 2 earlier that, that then once they're all settled and, and the wise men come, that now God says, oh, by the way, Herod's going to try to kill the child. You need to leave. And they end up going to Egypt, a, a, a distant land, a foreign land. This was not their ideal place to live. Raise your child here. And the sacrifice goes on. And so the third word to remember is perseverance. When God's plans and our plans conflict, it's something that we keep obeying. That we keep a good attitude. Because a servant doesn't keep the right to say, God, I'll follow your plans for a month. I'll follow your plans for a year. A servant says, my life is yours. Direct where you will. I trust you. Even though thing after thing after thing happens. Will you still trust our Lord and Savior? Embrace, worship, persevere. And finally, the last word is look. Look. Look for God's hand and confirmations along the way. See, God was working. He was orchestrating all these things. And in the midst of this, He brings the shepherds in. And the shepherds come and they worship and, and they see the Christ child, they see the Messiah, and then they leave and they tell everyone they can. This, they, I, they can't contain this. The Magi come, and they kneel and they worship, and they give gifts. And so there's, there's pinpoints throughout the whole story where Joseph and Mary can say, I see God's hand. I see God working. God is faithful. And again, we learn from that when God's plans and our plans collide, 
when we feel like we're giving all to God, look for those ways that God is being faithful. I would encourage you to write them down. As they did in the Old Testament, maybe write them on stones so you remember. But remember God's faithfulness. Remember God's faithfulness. Joseph and Mary embraced God's plan. They worshipped God for His plan. They persevered even though God's plan was filled with hardships because it wasn't about them, it was about Him. They saw God's hand along the way. But all of this was for a bigger reason. And we come back to God's plan and we ended our, our reading of the Christmas story with John 1, 9 through 12. And I'd like to end our time in the Word today with that same th- those same verses. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own as his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And right there, right at the beginning of John's Gospel, is the reason. It's the plan. It's why we follow God's plan and not our own. For them, it was about the Savior who came into the world and would end up dying on the cross in our place to pay for the the penalty of our sin, who in three days would rise from the dead, showing God's power. And in verse 12, who then, because of that act, because of His birth and His death and His resurrection, could offer salvation to all who would believe in His name. And and God says, but to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, who gave their life to Him, who repented of their sins, that I, I follow Christ, He gave the right to become children of God. That's the story. He gave the right to become children of God. That's what God was doing. And this morning, there may be people here that aren't children of God. There may be some of you here that have never trusted God with your life. He orchestrated His plan through willing servants so you could hear the message that through belief in Him, you can have life. You can have life eternal. Verse 11 is sobering, though. He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. They did not become children of God. They did not receive life eternal. So that's the decision for you today if you don't know Christ. Will you submit to God's plan of salvation and give your life to Him or will you hold your own desires and your own plans so firmly in your hand that God has has no way into your life? For those of you that do know God, Christmas is a reminder that God who worked so mightily 2,000 years ago is still working mightily today. And if you know Christ, His desire is to form you into Christ's likeness, to make you more like Him. And that's His plan. And all of those things that conflict with your plans are Him forming you into His image and His Christ, into Christ's likeness to do His work so other people will hear the Gospel and be discipled. Isn't that an incredible bigger picture? Embrace, worship, persevere, and look. And let's follow Christ the King.
This morning we're going to celebrate communion together, and it's a reminder of that gift. It's a reminder that this baby was born to die. That he was born to to hang on that cross in our place, to pay the penalty for our sin. And so we worship God because his perfect plan allows us to be here today. It allows us to celebrate. It allows us joy to know we are adopted as his children. We are his. There's three stations for communion this morning. There's one upstairs in the back. There's one in the back of the auditorium and one up here. And we'd like you just to come up as you will and and serve yourself. Help yourself to some bread. Just tear off a piece of bread. There's communion cups there. There will be an elder by each of the, the tables. Just assisting and helping out if you need it. But come to one of the tables. Come as a family. Come as a group. Come as an individual. And use this as an opportunity to worship God for His perfect plan to submit to God, to remember what He did. Maybe take the elements and step off, either go back to your seat or step off to the side and pray together and worship God for His sacrifice. Dear Lord God, we praise You for what You've done. We praise You for having plans that are different from ours. I pray that we as Your people would submit to those plans would find ways to use everything you, you allow us to go through for your glory, to draw people to your Son, to your grace, to your love. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.